Duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know? Come with me to Southside of Chicago. What a fantastic turn of events if you love the Chicago White Sox. And I'm falling in love by the breath. Hello and welcome back to Locked on Sox. Man, time flies by. It's episode number 16. And Ted Lyons episode right now. So we... Wait a minute. I thought you said it was Steve Lyons. I'm oh, pulling my pants down right now. Sorry. Yeah. Is it Steve Lyons? Okay. Yeah. And that no, voice... I think it's Ted, yeah. Yeah. And that voice, I mean, if you hadn't heard last episode, we've introduced Chris Tannehill as the co-host of this show. So a round of applause for that gentleman. He is a... Go back to episode 15. If you did not hear that one, we got a little brief synopsis of what he, you know, came up as a White Sox fan. We discussed good things about the White Sox. And in this episode, we're going to be recapping what was a great time at, well, firstly, Tannehill went to Sox Fest. He the actual did, so- yeah. Sox Fest and did some work. Me, I'm lazy, so I stayed at the house on a Saturday. But that Friday night at Reggie's, the post game, we were oh, both there. Reggie's. Love was in the air. Everybody was there. Our guys from on tap were there. The 108, Sox Machine. It was filled with guys. The the Honarchy. I met those guys for the first time. <laughs> wait, wait. The, the Honarchy? Sons of Honarchy. <laughs> oh, I like it. Oh, so great. They had koozies. It's, it's great. The whole White Sox family is great, but... Chris, I just wanted to know what you thought about, firstly, about Sox Fest. As a guy that doesn't like autographs and that whole convention thing, yeah. I usually like to stay away. But there are people in that Sox Fest, the new venue at McCormick Place, you've been to both, or maybe all of them, the Palmer House one, the one at the Hyatt Regency, right, right. the one across the street at the Sheridan. You've been to maybe all those venues. What about the McCormick Place, and what about the actual things that were said that day on Saturday that you went? Okay, so there's a lot to unpack here. So as far as the location, um, I enjoyed it because everything was centralized in in one room. You had all the stages uh, for the seminars, which I'm going to get to a little all bit. All of them in the same room? Everything was, it was one big room. Wow. Which it was a little, they sold out Sox Fest. So it was a, it was a little congested in there. That's the one negative I will say about it is because it was a little tight to maneuver in there. Uh, but once you're out of the room, like it's a big McCormick place, uh, West is a, is a big space. So you can kind of step out of the room a little bit, walk around and kind of go back in and figure out how to navigate. But it was, a, it was a great thing to see. It was a, one of those, uh, Marlo Stanfield good problems, right? Where mm-hmm. you have a lot of people there and everyone's having a good time and, all, they had all the autograph stage where it was pretty much around the whole perimeter and the the seminar stage was at one end where they had the, the goose island truck there 
and uh, you know you had your merchandise in the middle you had uh, a very very cool uh, lego uh, comiskey park or lego guaranteed right field uh, that i that i took a took a look at did you see a juan uribe uh no i did i did look i could not find a juan uribe a jersey or baseball or anything as i would always look i was looking for juan uribe's pants they were not there but the Sox charities auction uh, not even auction the Sox charities booth that they had i was able to pick up one of these hawk harrelson uh, golf hats that I was looking for for the longest time. And uh, I see it because we're right now in your basement with the great setup you have here we are. for Locked On Socks. I mean, you're, we're we're doing this for the second time, and I can't believe every time I come over here, it's like, wow, you're doing some things out here. Like, you got your own computer set up, yeah. your own little mini board. Yeah. I mean, this is professional. If you guys are hearing this right now, we're not at the Score Studio because Chris and I work at a world-class studio with mics, Adobe Edition, all that good stuff. Go back and listen to episode 14 or 13. It sounds exactly the same as this because Chris Panhill has hooked it up <laughs> this professionally. I know yeah. you heard the episode 15, guys. This is what it is. The setup in here is so great. And uh, when I when we do upload this, I will send out the the setup that Chris has here. Man, it's so beautiful. The White Sox, it's like a shrine here in yeah, White Sox in Chicago. It's it's like if Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs were a White Sox fan. <laughs> and you got my favorite jersey of one of the best players of all time here, the sleeveless Frank Thomas jersey signed. I do. I saw, yeah, it was a gift uh, from a White Sox charity auction. My, my father gave it to me. So it's like the centerpiece of my man cave down here. Again, it's like Buffalo Bill. Could you help me with this jersey? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, it's different. It's like, it's like, you know, the score studio is a great environment to record in, but this is like more comfortable, relaxed. Like we're going to, we're going to let it fly here uh, down in my basement. Uh, so, yeah, on the northwest side here, we're making changes and we're making it, uh, you know, comfortable to do talk about the White Sox. So back to Sox Fest. Yes. Sorry. So great time. Uh, I like that they consolidated it to two days, even though I, I couldn't go to the first day, which is mostly the, the me- that's for, for us, it's the media day. It's when you get to talk to the players. I went last year. It was great. Um, you know, we were there in, in a work capacity last year, at least I was. And, you know, the score was there this year. Again, we were able to have Tim Anderson come on the show. So thank you to the White Sox for allowing him to come on. It, it was great to hear from Tim uh, to talk about his expectations uh, for 2020. We asked him, you know, what does he want to get better at? He said everything. And I'm hoping he makes some strides defensively. But but I just I love everything that I'm hearing from him is sort of like he's the new face of the White Sox. Yes, he is. And I love that. And he's putting himself out there. He's not shying away from pressure. He's not shying away from putting you know himself out there as you know maybe he'll fall on his face like most people think he's not that 330 hitter i think he's not that 330 hitter but if you tell that to him he's like hell yeah i'm yeah. more of a 330 hitter i'm better than 330 i'm gonna hit a bunch of home runs i'm gonna be the better player i like that he's putting that pressure on himself because i know he's putting that work in to make sure that he is that guy Definitely, definitely. So, you know, I think uh, he was, this week he was talking to Garfine about how he wants, like he was doing the Derrick Rose, why can't I be MVP thing, which you love to Put hear that. There. In baseball, it's so important to, to have that, that mental edge, the, the mental advantage. To it, It's there. And I, he's got that energy where other guys seem to be following. So I think, you know, I don't know if last year was sustainable, uh, but even if it's not, just having a presence like that in the clubhouse is going to be uh, great for this team going forward. Yeah, and hopefully the rest of the guys are like, yeah, I feel that. I want that. Yeah. Why not? Why can't we beat the Twins? I don't give a damn if they won 100 games last year and we only won 72. F the Twins. I know I can cuss on here, whatever. But fuck the Twins. 
We don't need to kowtow to them. And the Indians, I don't care if they keep Lindor, they trade him. We're just as good as those people with these moves that they've made and with the attitude that Timmy has. And we know Johan's a top 10 player in this league. We know he's going to get better. And with all the young, oh, my God. And I, what, God I love about, what, I love, so great. what I love about Tim is during the leanest years of the rebuild when he came up in 16, he had the same intensity. He was he was pimping the home runs against the Tigers mm-hmm. and the Twins and the Royals back yeah. then, too. Yeah, same Justin guy. Verlander hated him. Same guy. And, oh man, Justin Verlander is such a douche. Talking well, smack about the game well, and how it is done. That leads me to my next thing. You know, the, the I can think the, the one of the headlines, at least from day one of SoxFest, was Dallas Keuchel, uh, his first public appearance in a White Sox uniform uh, since he did the conference call, but this is his first time in front of the media because the Sox is interesting. They didn't do like a press conference rollout, you know, which is, you know. Yeah. I, you know, I don't think it's necessary, especially in this day and age, but I think maybe they were just, it did, things didn't fall right, you know. During the holiday season, it's tough to get. With any of their guys, they didn't yeah. do any type of thing where they usually fly the guys into U.S. cellular guaranteed rate they, and at least do a face-to-face with the beat writers. They did mostly conference calls. Yeah. I remember I had to cut up a couple of those. <laughs> maybe they learned from their lesson from 2015 or whenever it was with Samarja, Melky, uh, David Robertson. They're like, ah, maybe we don't need to do it next time. But maybe that's part of why Soxfist was such a hit because it was your first chance to kind of feast your eyes on the, on these new acquisitions. So Dallas Keigel comes out day one and he basically apologized for the Astros uh, wrongdoings. And he said he didn't benefit from it, which it's eh, it's not totally the case. I mean, he might have not benefited on the day he was pitching because, yes, they didn't score a lot of runs during his yeah. pitching uh, outings, but he benefited from that ring he has in his finger. He benefited from the contract he currently has. No doubt. And, of course, there is, again, the, the mental edge. Like, how would you feel going out there on the bump knowing that your guys have an edge when they're out there swinging the bats? It oh. may not pay off, you know, but and maybe that kind of works against you after a while because it's in your head like, hey, we're supposedly having an advantage, but not when I'm out there. Yeah, so. Some bitches can't hit. Why and Marwin Gonzalez hit this year. Yeah. Now that man, they stole some money. <laughs> Two, they, the, you get listening right now. Go and look at Marwin Gonzalez 2017 <laughs> and then years before and after. Yeah, the, the data started to back it up. He's the one that literally benefited the most. Like if you go and you see those graphics with the, the number of bangs, yes, like he, he was the recipient of the most bangs. And now uh, he's on the Twins, sucking. Yeah, as no, per usual, no bangs in Minnesota from Marwin. But I didn't really. I thought it, it was a stand-up move. I think you know, Keiko sort of became like the face of of the apology because the Astros had their whole fan convention and it was kind of just like, Oh, we're moving on. Of course, of course you are. Yeah. You know, so it is what it is. I'm not, we're not going to be huge into that. Um, but it does kind of relate to what my next point is, you know, Keiko talked about the Astros and what they did. So Saturday, the first thing I, I attended when I went to Sox Fest was the uh, kids press conference, which you might say, well, why would you go to that? Well, Layla Rahimi was the moderator. She did a great job. And typically you can find some funny news things, funny audio things coming out of there. Like last year, they were, you know, it was, they were, there's always usually a Cub Sox thing in there that, that'll get, of get some mileage. Like where the players will say something. I think Nikki Delmonico said something last year about the Cubs. And, you know, like that was his favorite place to play, like at Wrigley Field, because, like, you know, he liked beating the Cubs, whatever it was. So sometimes you can get little newsy things out of the kids' press conference. Plus, since I'm a father now, I just I think it's cool. The kids get up there. Sometimes they freak out. It's like seeing Santa Claus. Sometimes they get up there, grab the mic, and they just like they turtle they, they turtle up, and and that's it. That's a wrap. But then sometimes they they ask really funny questions. But uh, the panel had Elo Jimenez, Nomar Mazar, and Yasmani Grandal. And you know what I want to say about Grandal is he mentioned 
that he had a conversation with Keichel. I'm assuming it was the day before about what went down with the Astros. And I would love to be a fly on the wall in that conversation because Grandal obviously was a member of the Dodgers in 17 on the on the opposite end of uh, of the Astros thing. And in uh, Grandal, what struck me the most from from watching him talk on this panel is guys like Eloy and Mazzara, they were totally just deferring everything to him. Like he had that commanding leadership presence, which I think is, I don't want to say it's been missing because we just got done talking about Tim, but it's a different type of leadership, right? More stern, more, hey, this is how you do work. This is, hey, I've been here. This is how you comport yourself as a a veteran. It seems more... Serious, more it is, yeah, more down to earth. But like, I'm not here trying to have fun. I'm here trying to win, and I'm probably sure that he discussed with Keiko's like, man, the whole time I thought that you was tipping pitches, and I was out there calling a good game, and you some bitches knew the pitches. I mean, what the hell? You and, cost me a couple dollars. I had to go to Milwaukee for a year, and dicks. And also, low key, I'm kind of like, hey, uh. Can you tell us some secrets and how you guys did that so without getting caught? <laughs> hey, yeah, exactly. We got trash cans here. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I, that really struck me about Grandal, and you know, they, one of the kids asked him how he chose uh, the White Sox, and he seemed like he really did his homework, uh, in, which was, it was funny because he was the first one to sign, but it didn't Early. seem like it was about money for him. He talked about how you know, he, he had a little bit of a dialogue with Rakan, but he wanted to, to study the tape of of the pitchers and what they were doing. And also he really took a look at, uh, you know, not necessarily the farm system, but like guys that were that were on the cusp, guys like Luis Robert, Nick Madrigal. And that seemed to to entice him. And, and Grandal's been on a lot of teams. Right? A lot of them. He's a journeyman. But it's I don't it's I don't think he's one of those guys where it's like, OK, watch out for this guy. He's been on a lot of teams. He seems just like a a guy who just likes a new challenge. And and I'm hoping that he's going to be a guy that everyone kind of follows the lead of because one of the kids also asked, you know, how many home runs are you guys going to hit? And, you know, and Grandal was saying, well, it's like, I don't, walks are cool too. Like I can walk for you guys and Eloy can hit home runs behind me or whatever. So, so like, you know, he's trying to instill a different approach, I think on, on the way they do everything. I mean, he's the guy with a 380 on base percentage and the White Sox are known for not being a team that walks a lot. They didn't hit a lot of home runs either, which is weird. So if you're not, you're not walking and you're not in home runs, what are you doing? You're not scoring runs. So yes, I want him to bring that type of atmosphere to the White Sox. I think he said like walks, you know, count as a hit and walks, lead to runs and runs count lead to wins. So that's what I want to do. And if he can get a guy, I don't think Timmy will ever be the guy who's going to have a patient eye. He's just that guy who sees ball, hit ball. And if he can hit it at a three thirty clip and get on a base at three sixty six, God bless. But if he gets more into Yoan's ear, gets into Eloy and Luis Roberts ear and say, you know what? You don't have to do everything. If that ball is outside. Yeah. You can serve it to right field. Also, you can let it go. We're getting people behind you, brother. You don't need you. We don't need you to hit the four run home run right now. Exactly. We're we're good. We got people behind you that are going to do it. The only weak leak in our lineup is Nick Magical, and that man's getting on base at a three forty clip. So calm down. We're good. Yeah. So I think when I'm just going to put myself out there right Sorry, now. Sorry, so. I think if the, whatever this the story of this era of the White Sox is going to end up being, I think if if there is going to be perennial uh, playoff. Uh, contentions, division titles. I think it's going to be largely 
due to the fact that they signed Yasmani Grandal and, and instilling a, a culture and just a, a, a mind state because having swag and having fun is cool, but you need the counterbalance also of having someone with an edge who's, who's been around the block a few times and knows what it's like to get deep in the postseason, but also still have that hunger of never actually winning. So yeah. I, I think that's going to be an important move uh, for the White Sox. I so. couldn't imagine what was going into Rick Hahn's mind because I was not even looking at the catcher position. I thought they were satisfied with James McCann. He had a pretty great first half, an overall good year as the White Sox catcher, and he's relatively cheap. He's on still his arbitration years. So I was like, I wasn't even looking at Yasmani Grandal. When they did sign him, the top catching uh, target out there for free agency, I was like, oh, my God, these guys are not playing around because getting a guy of his stature, a guy who gets on base, a switch hitter, a top-of-the-order bat, a guy who frames with the best of them, making your pitching staff that much better, I was thinking that Rick has a plan, and he's going to do the things necessary to get this team on the right track because he's not resting on his laurels of having a great pickup in James McCann, what he was last year, and just going forward as James McCann is the backup now. Man, excellent. And one of those guys can be a... Uh, a DH before they got Edwin Encarnacion, or they can play first base when Jose needs a blow. But yeah, that was just a huge move. And the from the here from looking at what you're talking about, seems like he's a very cerebral guy. He's going to lead this team into a lot of wins. Exactly. So just real quick, are we going to be doing a, a they traded James McCann episode of this? <laughs> what do you think? No. Okay. No, because I don't think they believe enough in Zach Collins to give him the backup spot. I don't know what they're going to do with them. Yeah. They have a 26-man roster this year, guys. They've expanded the rosters to 26 men. To have him as a 26-man will be a waste of time because he needs to have more catching time down there in AAA or in the majors. So you can't just be here being behind both Grandal and James McCann. So a possibility they'll trade him. I don't know this late in the game who wants some Pittsburgh wanted a catcher, a young catcher. So maybe I would see more they trade Zach Collins as a part of a package before they trade Zach um, uh, James McCann. Yeah. So uh, one of the guys that uh, hopefully will be driving in Yasmani Grandal, who was also on the panel, is Elo Jimenez. And I just want to share uh, something funny that I took away from that kids' press conference uh, involving Elo Jimenez and a machete. <laughs> Strangest thing you ever saw, probably. Does it have to be baseball or is it life? Anything. I mean, I'm from Dominican, so I see a lot of crazy stuff out there. Too. <laughs> yeah, I laughing right now, but I was scared. I'm, I'm. I saw a guy with one machine hitting the head. The other guy. That was the realest trip I've ever seen. See, when, when you play in the big leagues for a while, you get to see a lot of things. Elo Jimenez sees a guy swing a machete and hit another guy in the head. And uh, I'm pretty sure that that's murder. Yes. And I'm wondering uh, if Eloy should be in hiding right now, if this is going to be a thing that's going to impact. This is typical White Sox. Yeah, Eloy Jimenez is going to be the target of some investigation. He's been an eyewitness in a huge Dominican murder case. Get out of the Dominican, Eli. Now. Now. They shot my man Poppy. Hell. What the hell? Get yeah. out, man. Just, sw just swinging machetes out there. That was Mazzara, uh, the first guy who answered. He's like, oh, yeah, I'm from the Dominican. We see a lot of crazy stuff. And Eloy's like, no, no, no. You 
you would understand. It's really crazy out here. Yeah, yeah. And this this six year old kid was like, ah, okay. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I went something crazy at the bat guy. Yeah, and then a groundhog goes on to say, oh yeah, guys, I've seen they they paint their whole bodies in the playoffs. Like fans get out there and and they show up without their shirts on. It's really crazy here. So I hope that's not a storyline of the 2020 season. Eloy Jimenez and, and the machete backstory. So, um, but that was just a quick thing. And then after the kids press conference, I got a chance to watch Rick Hahn and Rick Renteria uh, do the, it's basically the, uh, the state of the White Sox, you know, state of the union uh, address sort of thing. Where No J- Kenny? No, Kenny was in the back. You know, he was kind of he was looking upon his his works. Uh, you yeah, know. I signed all these guys. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Edwin Carnacion was my idea. He just went up there. Just at the end. money, my idea. He went up there right at the end. I signed everyone. Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs> Give me all the credit, please. Yeah, yeah, he was there last year, just sitting in the back. I was actually I was sitting not too far from him and Zoraida. They were watching the the things last year, but this year he was there. I saw him walking around. Um, Jason Benetti was the moderator, and the one thing that, that I took away from from this press conference with with Rick and Ricky, um, Rick Renteria was a little spicy. I might have to start calling him Ricky Picante because he was he had a bit of an edge to him. Like that was like a running theme is like seeing the edge already here in January of 2020 before they even break for camp. And Renteria was was asked uh, by a typical typical Sox fan about. How do you plan on on breaking this eighty win plateau and getting into the playoffs when when your defense is bad and you know you have no track record of of winning at the major league level? And I thought his uh, his answer on that was interesting. Well, we're we're obviously trying to shore that up, we, and we've got a lot of defensive work planned. I'm as optimistic as I've been since I've been here. We've really got a a, a, a robust lineup, a much better lineup to work with. Uh, we need to pitch, we need to catch the ball, we just need to play the game completely. And that's the goal. Uh, make no mistake about it. I'm not going to hedge my bet and tell you, ah, no, bullshit. I want to win just like you want to win, like everybody here wants to win. And those guys want to win. Most importantly, they want to win. They want to get it done for you. Trust me. They don't want to look bad. So I I, I apologize for, for cursing, but we're in a good place right now. And I'm looking to this season optimistically going into spring training to find a way to get it. Red so, ass yeah. Rick. Yeah, red ass Ricky. Ricky Picante. He's not having it. He's like, he's ready to go. And it, I, the thing about the Sox this year, I, I'm not in the camp of, of managers matter a whole lot. I think if you have a if you have a top tier uh manager of people, you know, like Joe Madden, I think that makes a huge difference. Mm-hmm. Um one of the things Grandal did mention. Uh, one of the factors that led him coming here was Renteria was a bench coach when he was uh, in San Diego. San Diego yeah. So th- it, that is there, but I like hearing the edge early from from Ricky because he said a couple things in this in this press conference. The other one being, you know, you want to talk about pressure. Um, you know, there is no pressure on being in a position where you're expected to make the playoffs. He said pressure is. Uh, not having a full roster uh, day in and day out. And Rick Hahn's sitting right there. And he's kind of like, nice. Ugh, Ugh. <laughs> so I, I, I'm excited uh, to see um, what this what this lineup's going to do uh, with Rick Renteria because we know Renteria, he's not afraid 
to to make a move, whether it's you know his first year pulling Jose Abreu out of a game, calling him out for not running hard down the uh, down the first baseline. So I, I like this new edge of Rick Renneria because I feel like he's been the manager for how many years now, and we still don't really quite know him. Like you know, Three, he, yeah, four. like how, does anyone know if we pulled all the Sox fans? How many years has Rick Renneria been here? Yeah, and um, and I can imagine Rick Hahn looking at him after he said that spicy thing about the lineups and shit. He'd be like, oh, fuck, I could have replaced you. <laughs> exactly. Joe Banner was right there. I could have did it again to you. Now what? Exactly. If I would have replaced your ass. It's like, don't be talking to me about full rosters and shit. <laughs> yeah. I'll kill you. But yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I'll, uh, uh, I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And so, Certainly we'd uh, love to get a new manager, <laughs> murder you, uh, bury you. But but yeah, I, I, I love seeing this side out of your manager. Like if they're going to follow his lead, I'm happy that it's, it's, it's spicy Ricky, not afraid to swear in front of a bunch of children. Alongside <laughs> that spiciness, get rid of the bunts, brother. If you're going to be spicy about things. Don't bunt. You don't have nobody on this team that's going to be bunting except for uh, Nick Magical, and those are for hits. That's it. Don't be putting no bunts. The bunt sign is gone, 100% gone. I've seen one time, one goddamn time, Ricky. I hope you're listening. One damn time. <laughs> you bunting You bunting with Yohan Mankata. I'm coming. I'm coming down, and I'm beating your ass. All right? Well, it's all good because Ricky's boys won't quit. I hope they quit bunting, though. So yes. <laughs> we all do. But I think, Please, Jesus. I think what he was doing, you know, kind of – Seeing what he has and what I think that this whole rebuild process is, is seeing what these guys that are in the core, what they're capable of when it really matters. I, I think it's, it's it's all about putting them in real game situations and seeing who can be dependent on for what. And I think he's smart enough to realize that with the lineup that he has, if everyone lives up to, to their new back of the baseball card, if, if Yohan's going to be this guy going forward, I don't think there's going to be much need for, for bunting, you know? So I, I think uh, we can we can see Ricky's boys quit bunting. Ricky's boys quit. So. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, like I was speaking to, I think in Tony Marchese or uh, Matt Zawaski about Tim used to bat seventh last year, like bat seventh on a bad team. Now yeah. batting seventh this year is where he should be. Yeah. It'd be perfect for Tim. No pressure. He could still be Tim. He could still lead him. He'd be the captain of attitude, as Hawk used to say, and bat in the proper spot that he's supposed to be. That's the only question I have right now is how they're going to fix the lineup to have, you know, they don't have a traditional leadoff guy. So just put a guy up there who can get on base. And Dave Williams said that you should put up Yasmani Grandal as he has a 380 on base percentage and he is a kind of a power hitter but not that big of a power hitter yeah so you know as far as the rest of Sox fest um there was one other thing that that caught my attention uh, that was in the same state of the white Sox press conference i mean you have rick Hahn here at your disposal and you get up there as a white Sox uh, fan and, and you ask or not ask a question but you make this comment Thanks to all three of you gentlemen for making baseball on the South Side much more pleasant the last couple of years. And a uh, special note to Rick, thank you for not paying $300 plus million dollars for Machado or for a smattering of applause, which every time I listen to it, I'm like, ah, I felt like it was the whole room was applauding when I was there. Oh, thank you for not uh, signing Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, followed by applause. I, it seemed pretty loud in the room, but listening back to it, maybe there were a lot of smarter people than I thought in that thank room. Jesus. But can we, can we get rid of this narrative about 
thank God we don't have a future Hall of Fame player like Manny Machado. Yes. <laughs> I mean, please. who knows how history is going to shake out and whether or not they'll they'll need him uh, on a championship team. What happens to Tim Anderson if Manny Machado's here? I would love to know. I'd love to find out. But this whole thing of thank you for not committing that. I mean, like, like you were talking about, they, they wanted him. Yes, they wanted him. <laughs> they failed in getting him because they, they didn't offer him a real contract. That's why he's in San Diego right now because they said 300 million 10 years. Cool. That I mean that's it. Cool. That's it. we're done. And the White Sox are sitting there bullshitting which let San Diego come in and do it. But yeah, he didn't not give them money. He would have gave them they would have taken the money if they would have offered some real stuff. So to thank him for that is disingenuous. And I got an argument with uh, John Heyman a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> oh, yeah, on, you did. On that, Twitter. That made my Christmas vacation yeah. to seeing John Heyman ask why you're so angry. Yeah. On Twitter, <laughs> I got an uh, argument with him. Then he calls me. He calls me. How did he get your number? Uh, from, I think Mitch gave Mitch, it yeah. yeah, I think Mitch gave <laughs> it to him. Right. He calls me and he's like, so what's your problem? What's your deal? You're one of your teammates. I'm one of your teammates. I don't want to work there, but you know, you're you're making my credibility seem shaky. I was like, no, that's that, no, that's yeah. that's a weird way. I mean, I understand if he wants to call you and, and, oh. and hammer it out like a man, that's cool. But yeah, I don't see how it, it yeah. changes his credibility. Yeah, at he all. was really pissed that day. But you know, you're base, you're basically an egg with a white socks hat on <laughs> sometimes yeah. on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. Oh my God, he thinks like, are you a journalist? Are you professional? Or are you a fan? I'm like, I'm a fan. I don't. I don't do journalism. That's not my thing. I'm a producer. That's I don't what do they th- say too in the industry. We do journalism. Yeah, exactly, exactly. The journalists say, "Well, I'm doing journalism." They're just sitting at a typewriter. I'm, just, I'm journalism. And- yeah, just hitting the, the keyboard and then putting the return back. The kids don't know anything about the typewriter. But yeah, he called me and uh, chastised me for questioning his. Oh man, it's White Sox are much better off this because they didn't sign Manny Machado last year. No, they're not. And for all you listen out there, you're like, where would you play Moncada? I don't second base. Figured out. I was yeah. I was ready to move Moncada uh, and sign um, and sign Rendon this offseason. Yeah. you make it you make it work. You have one of those good problems. And Let you me figure ask it out. the people out here right now. You're listening within. You're listening to the podcast. No one or not is very unhappy out there in Colorado. The White Sox got a package somehow to get Nolan Arenado here at the White Sox eight year deal. I know it opt out after two. Would you take Nolan Arenado and then move Yohan Mankata to second base? For all you said no, fuck you. You're dumb. <laughs> Do not. That's the best third baseman in the game, fielding-wise. Maybe Matt Chapman, you can argue. But damn it, don't be dumb. Get better players. That's what they happen. We talked about it early in the episode. We're talking about Rick Hahn seeing James McCann and saying, that's nice. That's real good. He's an all-star. But you know what's better? One of the best catchers in the game. Let's go and get Yasmani Grandel. Get stockpile talent. And then worry about where you're gonna play them later. What about Nick Madrigal? I don't give a damn. If you get great players, you would say and you Nick can Ma- and you can trade him for one year of Mookie Betts. Yeah, exactly. Say hey, oh yeah, not straight no, up. I'm not saying straight oh, yeah, up, but another you know. thing. Yeah, people. So many people. Uh, I think it was Russell Dorsey put that out. Would you trade uh, either the either uh, Vaughn Madrigal and then Cease for Mookie Betts? And a lot of people just said no. I said. Why not? Well, we're in the co- we're in the championship contention right now. Well, if you have Bryce Harper or Manny Machado on your ball club, it kind of makes those decisions easier. See, that's why we have and to be, and that's why the Padres are trying to go and get yeah, Mookie Betts right now. We have to be better as White Sox fans, just because you know they 
they they they didn't sign a guy who didn't have a career year in his first year after signing a big contract. That does not mean that he would not help your team. If they have Manny Machado, and I don't want to do the revisionist history and go down the, these roads, but if they have Manny Machado on last year's team, then maybe they have representative uh, starting pitching. They have a fifth starter that can go out there every five days and compete yeah. instead of like the the clown car of starting pitching that they had. Odrizzo, Spagne, garbage yeah. like that. Yeah. Dylan Covey, yeah. stolen team. So maybe if they have those two elements of their ball club, maybe they're competing for a wild card. But as we found out, Twins were very strong. Indians still won uh, nearly a hundred games, so maybe they maybe they don't. But a lot of things could happen. So, but just because they didn't sign them, we got to be better than that. Basically, you know, when when you're when you're going out there and and you're gonna and you're seeing a team at spring training, you, you want to have the best possible team out there, and and you want to have time to be able to, to to figure it out, and you just put let the chips <laughs> just roll them out there and see how it shakes out. Yeah, and if you are going down to spring training, it's the best time in Sox history to go down to Glendale, Arizona to see the White Sox who share a facility with the Dodgers out there in Glendale. There's 10 stadiums, 15 teams out in that area right there. So if you do miss Manny Machado on the White Sox or not being on the White Sox, they're right there. I think they play in Peoria, Arizona. Go down and see Manny Machado and Fernando Tatis, maybe even Mookie Betts on the San Diego Padres. If you want to see the NL MVP. Wait, hang on. Fernando Tatis. You know, some jackass traded Tatis. Yes, that guy. Or you want to see the NL MVP, Cody Bellinger. He's right there in the White Sox facility. Walk around, see Cody Bellinger, see Jock Peterson, Clayton Kershaw, all there for you right there. Arizona office of spring training tourism brings you all of this stuff. World-class restaurants, beautiful outdoor scenery, warmth right now down there all throughout the year. It's beautiful time to go down in February or March right before the game start. You're getting that feeling like, you know what? I love pitchers and catchers reporting. Man, that feels good. And then it's like a wane. And right after that, it's the perfect time to go because all the White Sox, after Sox Fest, what we're talking about, a lot of those guys caught planes down to Arizona because they're so excited for the season. They're down there right now. Go and get your autographs from Yoan Moncada and Jose Abreu. Tim Anderson, we're talking about. Yasmani Grandal. He might be too much in the grind to get an autograph, but, you know, ask him nicely. You'll get your things done. <laughs> you know, when you're wearing your triple fat goose coat on opening day here in Chicago, <laughs> exactly. you're going to wish you would have taken a nice trip to Arizona during the spring. Yeah, have no regrets, guys. You could say, I was on the ground floor of what this White Sox 2020 actual AL Central championship season was. So plan your spring training getaway right now by doing this. Visit Arizona.com slash spring training. That's visit Arizona.com slash spring training. Tell them Locked on Socks sent you. Now, Tanny, while we're going down to spring training, and hopefully Arizona Office of Tourism spring training can uh, you know hook a brother up. Come on, come on. You know where I am. Locked on Socks. Oh, yeah, Herb Lawrence, on. T- Chris Tannehill, come That's on. That's right. Or, or, I mean, it's not that expensive, so it's probably like two, $300. But we're already making a trip out to San Francisco, so we money are. might be a little tight yes. this year because we're doing our annual trip, and we're finally going to see uh, San Francisco 
Oracle Park is what it's called. I don't now. even know what it's called. Yeah, Pac Bell, but, Oracle, who knows? But they're down there in Tech Arizona. Tech startup, too. you know, Silicon Valley ballpark. Ballpark yard. Downtown. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's supposed to be the best place in the world going down to Alcatraz to see some uh, prisoners where Al Capone was back in the day. Yeah, it's going to be a great trip if you're a Sox fan. You know, hopefully uh, to see you guys out there in May. It's eight, nine, and 10. We're going to go out to and make the first road trip of the year to San Francisco to Norton Antivirus Stadium. It's going to be great. So I'm looking <laughs> forward to it man i need to get out of here i'm getting cagey here in the winter well, opening day is going to be great and all Ugh. but i i need to i need to get on a plane yeah and it, e- eat some crab <laughs> eat some delicious food on that west coast and then not not for nothing they're going from san francisco right down to san diego yes. i can't do it because it's monday through tuesday or friday wednesday and i'm already taking like eight days off for paris so I can't go to oh, <laughs> Paris. Oh, she, no, the, the girlfriend got some good uh, sweet deal, so we're good going for there. Her. Good yeah, for you. Exactly. I got to get a passport. By the time you hear this episode, let me know how it, the toast is. <laughs> well, um, and the fries. Yeah, friends. I see what you did there. Yikes! Really? <laughs> yes. Yeah, really? Stoney's part of this. And he's got to come on this episode. He's got to come on one of these episodes. We'll get him because you're a big time. You interact with Stone all the time. Does Stone, he follow you? He doesn't follow me. He does not follow me. He, we go back like rocking chairs, though. Me and Stoney uh, yeah. argue a couple times on Twitter. He was being a little feisty. Yeah. You know, I'm always feisty. So he has come on the, the score a couple times. But, yeah, uh, it's enjoyable to get Steve Stone on. And his uh, nice acerbic uh, humor. He's been like that ever since I met him. We, I think we first met him when the score took over um, the play-by-play. Well, no, yeah. when, when he did he come over initially? No, it was Darren. Who was well, it was, no, Chris no, it was Singleton. Chris Singleton. Then he left for ESPN. But I think Stony was still a contributor. I remember from my early internship days, Stony would be hanging around the old NBC Tower. So you know, I think we still maybe had him as a contributor then. But yeah, the, yeah, we've known Stony for a long time and. Uh, what a, what a great broadcast, both TV and radio. So I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe having some guests along the way, even though I'm most comfortable just talking socks with you, Herb. So We can always take this to the studio or to the uh, booth and see if Jason can talk with us. I know Ed Farmer would talk to us. Oh, God. We just like just turn it on and let Farmer go. And that's, oh, that's and like 10 episodes. That'll be 10 episodes oh, right there. I want the stories. I want the good stories. The ones that we heard down in Kansas City. Oh, yeah. About his, I, think we, his, I think we can talk about uh, those but, here. No, we can't. We, the upbringing <laughs> on the south side for Ed, a young Ed Farmer. One yeah. of the great guys. I know you guys who are listening, some of you guys are like, oh, I don't like the radio broadcast. You got to. You, you, I mean, I know they I'm They don't biased. like the radio broadcast. What is going on here? Are you kidding me? Like you I'm just, just trying to introduce all these new fun buttons. You just got to like understand their humor, understand the you know, D, uh, Ed asking DJ about what pitch that was even though Ed was the pitcher of the two. Yeah. And then also Ed always asking DJ about, you know, his one pitching outing and Fred McGriff getting <laughs> that one air and such. It's it's just a nice fun. If you get their shtick, you'll get the broadcast. It's very fun. I like the guys, so I love listening to them, even though we're on a different station. I want the, them to come back immediately. <laughs> of course, yeah. So, But, yeah, I think that about does it for yeah. this week's episode, uh, the, uh, the Ted Lyons the Ted episode. Ted Lyons, uh, not, not the uh, Steve Lyons. Cycle Steve Lyons. He's, he fell off the, I, I just was trying to make earth. a joke. Uh, yeah, I was going through some old tape earlier God, of him, him doing the uh, 03 NLCS. I was watching some of that with Steve Lyons on there. I, haven't, I don't know what he's up to now. I think he does a either the Angels or something like that. He's an okay. analyst for somebody. But he used to be the top guy for Fox, and now he's just you know some regular dude. Well, I that, mean, it's a great job still. I mean, he probably the, doesn't have to travel as much now. You know, I mean, well, still, well, he's still traveling about the same if he's doing. With, I with mean, he parlayed 
a mediocre career into one of the best careers on on TV. Uh, more power to you, Steve Lyons. Yeah, he pulled his pants down. You got your num- your number retired by the White Sox. I mean, they did retire <laughs> a lot of people's numbers. They retired Harold Baines after he played like seven seasons. Like, oh, that's good job, Harold. Enjoy fucking Texas. <laughs> I want I want them to have a Steve Lyons statue of him pulling his pants down. Which I don't know why people thought that that was so great. It was funny and all. Yeah, it, it wasn't was on- like he just had <laughs> he was hanging brain or anything. <laughs> He had like, Sandy shorts on. It was like it was on every baseball blooper tape I watched oh, when I was a kid. So wacky. Ah. <laughs> Jay Johnstone was talking about it, and then Mel Allen. Ah, Steve, what a crack up! <laughs> Steve Lyons was the Ryan Dempster before Ryan Dempster. Well, good time to just stop and wrap it, right it up. There. But yes, that is time to end the episode. I am Herb Lawrence. And that is Chris Tannehill. We are locked on socks. So you can hear these type of episodes. Go back to the old episodes when I was just talking shit by myself, rambling for 30 minutes. Listen to those. Listen to the ones with Dave Williams, with Matt Zawaski. Listen to the one with Tony Marchese from, um, from Untap, from Pat Nolan, my guy Lawrence Holmes, Stephen Nelson. We have them all for you right here on Locked on Socks.